Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You guys, I am back. Holy cow. It's been so long. I don't even want to go back and know how long it's been, but I know it's been a hot second since my last episode. And so much has happened in the past couple months. Um, obviously I've been really active in my role at NoCD. Um, I've kind of just taken that role to a new level, um, you know, working on our support group program and working on a lot of other really creative projects that fulfill me in a way that I didn't think was possible. So I'm feeling pretty good. Um, but I feel like life has settled a little bit and I'm ready to get back into this. Um, give back to my own creative projects a little bit. And also I lost my voice completely the past week. And all I wanted to do that week was, of course, do a podcast. So my voice is back. I'm ready to go. I have so many great ideas to share with you guys. I've really just been learning so much more about OCD than I ever, ever thought was possible. Um, Yeah, I feel like we're just leveling up here. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. We have tons of great information here for you all about OCD, all about exposure and response prevention, which is, again, the gold standard treatment for OCD. Um, And if you're uh, a loyal listener from before, then I'm so happy to be back with you. Um, Today, we're diving in with one of my fave topics. I was never really too confident in being able to step out and kind of declare um, a feeling about this topic because I always felt that there was something off about this to me. Um, Generalized anxiety disorder or kind of colloquially what we say is just anxiety um, versus obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, I always knew in practice, like, what's the difference? (laughs) Like, we're always coming back to exposure and response prevention anyway, for the most part. There may be some little differences here, but really, like, are we spending more time divvying these two disorders up? Are we just creating more problems for ourselves than is actually worth in the end? Um, and so I don't know how it came about, but started talking about this more with other professionals in the field, came to find that I was not alone in how I felt. and. Actually, a lot of other professionals in the OCD field felt this way too. And, you know, I just dove into it, loved it, loved the topic, has become one of my passion projects and something that I feel really passionately about. So today we're going to go over, probably going to have to make this two separate episodes because lots to go over here, but we're going to go over generalized anxiety disorder or GAD versus obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD. So obviously there's a ton of overlap. There's a lot of confusion about this, but there are some differences. And so I want to review all of those things. want to go over some of the similarities here. 
So in both of these disorders, we're seeing problem behaviors, right? We're seeing, you know, maybe some safety behaviors, what we call them more so in GAD versus rituals or compulsions in OCD. I'll go over kind of the differential diagnosis here, what you guys need to know. Um, But then I'm going to get into, okay, all said and done, what does that mean for treatment? What does that mean as far as actually getting people better? And I feel really strongly about this because it takes 10 to 17 years, you guys, 10 to 17 years. And that's a large gap because the research is kind of all over the place. But 10 to 17 years from the moment that somebody starts to uh, kind of show symptoms that are characteristic of OCD to when they actually get a diagnosis slash into the appropriate treatment, which if you are new, it's it's exposure and response prevention, right? So if you're an old listener, you probably should know that by now. Um, And that gap is so wide because Again, it's really difficult to parse out kind of like, well, are we going from when they first started um, showing these symptoms to when they got a diagnosis? We know that often a diagnosis comes, but then there's this lapse in the treatment, right? So you can, first of all, get through that first barrier of actually getting the correct diagnosis, which there are tons of barriers even getting up to that point, right? Getting misdiagnosed or underplayed. you know, non-traditional kind of quote-unquote subtypes of OCD getting under the radar from a professional who maybe doesn't understand OCD that well. But then there are so many other barriers like post-diagnosis, right? Like, do you actually get the right treatment? Are you, do you have that OCD diagnosis, but then are you triaged into talk therapy? Are you triaged into maybe a more cognitive therapist? Are you doing quote-unquote CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy that doesn't really emphasize exposure and response prevention to the extent that you probably should. Um, Not to mention the other therapies out there, which that will be another podcast coming down the line, which is what does not work for OCD. That's going to be things like EMDR. Um, That's going to be things like any relaxation therapies, psychoanalysis, uh, emotional freedom technique, right? Like tapping, energy fields, hypnosis, anything like that. Um, so that amount of time is just ridiculous. And as someone who knows this treatment, as someone who knows this disorder, as someone who knows the research, right? Like that OCD is treatable, that this treatment delivers, that if it's done well and when it's done well, exposure and response prevention again, this is science. (laughs) This is from the research that when it's done right, exposure and response prevention is more effective for OCD and anxiety disorders than any other treatment for any other disorder. That's incredible. It's been called, I don't know the exact quote, but it's been called kind of like one of the miracles of psychological sciences. That is exposure and response prevention. Because it works and it works really, really well. Um, And so we have this debilitating condition, right? We have OCD, which is one of the top 10 most debilitating conditions. So much stigma, so much that we, you know, as a society and, uh, you know, media portrayals get wrong. So many people who are suffering in plain sight and don't even know it. And we have this amazing treatment that actually works. 
and it's it's doable, right? Like we can do it over teletherapy now. We've established that. Um, we can do it with children, adolescents. We can do it with adults. We can do it wh- regardless of whatever the theme is for OCD. And it takes 10 to 17 years between when someone starts to exhibit those symptoms to when we get them that treatment. It's just not acceptable. It's not acceptable. <laughs> and so I feel really strongly about like, why is the, all of, what are the barriers for this 10 to 17 years? And let's just crack, take a crack at them one by one, one by one. And I do think that one of the major barriers here is that OCD is often misdiagnosed. It's underdiagnosed. It's underrated. And I do think that a large portion of people out there who have generalized anxiety disorder are maybe if they would come to me because I'm an OCD specialist, I am a hammer. So all I see is nails type of situation. There's probably a lot of people out there who have generalized anxiety disorder and if they were to come to me, I would say that they have obsessive compulsive disorder. To me, it's like, and you'll find this throughout the episode, it's tomato, tomato to me. People with OCD, though, are sometimes also secretive or kind of ashamed about their symptoms. Um, you know, especially when it comes to these non-traditional subtypes, they, or maybe more taboo subtypes, right? Like harm intrusive thoughts or especially sexual intrusive thoughts. Um even if they have overcome that barrier of first and foremost, even knowing what that is, right? Like then to have to divulge that information to a professional who may or may not understand what's going on, may or may not call the police on them, may or may not recommend they go inpatient. Like that's super, super scary. We also know that OCD is the doubt disorder or the doubting disease. Um, And it's doubt about doubt, right? So we get lots of individuals who present with these very kind of what we call slam dunk symptoms. They're obviously struggling with obsessive compulsive tendencies. And these individuals will miss the mark. They'll miss that treatment opportunity. They'll miss that appointment or not go because they have doubt about their doubt. Um, They doubt that they're not quote unquote OCD enough, or they doubt that the professional is going to be able to help them. They doubt that um, this is actually what they have. They doubt that they this is the right time or whatever. And so all that doubt impedes them from being able to get access to the treatment that they need. Um, not to mention all, also just the limited access to psychiatric prof- professionals who understand this disorder, right? So, you know, for it being the most effective treatment, more effective for OCD and anxiety than any other treatment for any other disorder, you'd think that there would be a lot more of us, but unfortunately, there's just not enough. Um, It's also, there's just a lack of recognition of OCD by physicians, by other mental health providers, by nurse practitioners, uh, by um, OBGYNs. And they've done research to show that when we give kind of non-traditional uh, characterizations of obsessive compulsive disorder to non-OCD specializing treatment providers, so general practitioners, physicians, mental health providers, um, OBGYNs, um, and maybe these non-traditional subtypes, I think in the research they've used non-traditional subtypes, uh, meaning like not cleaning, not perfectionism, not fear of germs, blah, blah, blah. Um, In these research studies in particular, I believe they use sexual orientation OCD. So someone who had a lot of persistent and recurrent 
um, doubts about their sexual orientation. And 85% of the time, according to this research, these professionals did not associate these intrusive thoughts or doubts to obsessive compulsive disorder. They were often misdiagnosed as something else, largely generalized anxiety disorder. Um, but in cases like harm intrusive thoughts or cases of sexual intrusive thoughts, especially with uh, postpartum obsessive compulsive disorder, we're seeing a lot of professionals actually um, calling like child protective services or uh, giving these individuals psychotic disorders when they have obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, but by and large, I think the biggest chunk of individuals that we're missing, meaning like from the OCD realm, um, exist kind of under that GAD umbrella. Meaning I think that they have been diagnosed with GAD. I think they think they have GAD. But I would believe that there's a percentage of individuals in that GAD pool um, who actually would be better diagnosed as having obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, so GAD and OCD, there's obviously so much overlap, right? Because these uh, individuals with either of these conditions or both of these conditions, you can definitely have both of these conditions at the same time as well. Um, they both present as th this anxious presentation, right? So, um, you know, there are obviously exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, we tend to characterize these disorders as they're, they're quote unquote worriers. Um, there's a tentative nature about them at times. There are physiological symptoms of that anxiety, right? So a lot of fight or flight, um, mechanisms being activated, accelerated heart rates, uh, respiratory rate being influenced, um, lots of physiological symptoms in that regard, and then just this general distress, this general negative affect, right? And in GAD and OCD, it is a lot of intolerance of uncertainty. So this need for certainty, this uncomfortableness when things do not have a conclusion. Um, and that brings me to say, like, you know, in GAD, we often talk about intolerance of uncertainty. In OCD, we often talk about doubt. What's the functional difference between intolerance of uncertainty and doubt? I just, I, I can't, it becomes a complete exercise in just trivial differences to me. Um, intolerance of uncertainty versus doubt. I, there, That's what we're kind of parsing apart here. Anyway. In both of these disorders, there's an internal preoccupation. So in OCD, we obviously talk about this more as being obsessions um, and intrusive thoughts, ideas, images, impulses, or feelings. Um, and in generalized anxiety disorder, we're often thinking about worries. But when we think about worries, is there any functional difference between worries and compulsive rumination that we see in obsessive compulsive disorder? Um, what's the difference? <laughs> I, I get stuck here too, like worries versus rumination. Like there's no functional difference to me. I wouldn't be able to give you a meaningful difference between the two, uh, if money depended on it. Um, so GAD worries, OCD rumination, same thing to me, tomato, tomato. There are both attempts to control the anxiety um, and a, a lot of times people who are dead set on GAD and OCD being separate, their argument is that, well, GAD, well, one of their arguments rather, is that GAD, there are no compulsions. 
I disagree. I disagree completely. Um, I believe 100% that there are mechanisms to perpetuate that anxiety pattern. Um, I think anxiety is one of those things. Obviously, I think that some people are going to have a baseline for the most part based on their genetics, their environment, their kind of predisposition to anxiety. But for the most part, I think of anxiety as a telemarketer. If you stop answering your phone, you're going to get fewer calls, right? So I think of these rituals or safety behaviors or attempts to kind of control or mediate the anxiety as being the equivalent of answering that phone. Um, So I think there's something there in generalized anxiety disorder. I do not agree with that. There are no compulsions in GAD. I disagree. Even if it's just flat out, uh, quote unquote, worrying or rumination, um, that's to me a ritual. That's a, that's a, that's a safety behavior. That's a behavior. Um, and then what about avoidance, right? I, I definitely would say that avoidance is a ritual. Um, it is something that someone can do repetitively. It is something that somebody can do to negate or mediate or neutralize the anxiety that they feel as the result of a fear or an expected, uh, fearful situation. Again, no meaningful difference to me whatsoever between rituals or compulsions and then quote unquote safety behaviors um, as some professionals say they are in GAD. If you or anyone you know is struggling with obsessive compulsive disorder or related conditions like skin picking, hair pulling, hoarding, tick disorders, or other body-focused repetitive behaviors, check out NoCD. NoCD is an online teletherapy platform offering specialized services and evidence-based treatments for obsessive compulsive disorder and related difficulties. You can meet with a therapist who specializes in your unique concerns and also get between sessions support through messaging. We take insurance and also offer payment plans for those who self-pay. Available now in and out of the United States, check us out at www.nocd.com to get started. You can also download our free mobile app, which includes free therapy tools, an in-app community, and so much more. Know you are not alone and go to www.nocd.com or download the Treat My OCD app on your phone to see how so many others are overcoming their OCD. You've got this. And yes, you can have both at the same time. You can do all of these things about more general topics like uh, bad things happening in the world, health, kind of just something bad happening and you're not really even sure what, finances, the future. And you can have OCD, right, which is maybe a little bit more specified. So fears that you are going to take a knife and stab a loved one with it. Sure. Um, But again, the mechanisms of change here, the mechanisms of difficulty here are exactly the same to me. Um, And really, it comes down to the fact that there are similar treatments. So there are both behavioral treatments for these disorders. um, There are medications that work for these disorders. And when it comes down to just the diagnostic differences in generalized anxiety disorder, this is taken right from the DSM-5. So, and as I go through these diagnostic basics, I want you guys to just think about like, is that really different from what exists in the other disorder? Is that functionally all that different? Um, 
So in GAD, we have excessive anxiety and worry slash apprehensive expectation occurring more days than not for six months for a number of events. Again, that's for GAD, but someone with OCD could totally fit that mold. Excessive anxiety and apprehensive expectation more days than not. 100%. GAD, it is difficult to control the worry. Yes, I'm sure that people who have OCD would also say that it is very difficult to control their worry about things or their rumination urges about things. Um, With GAD, there's uh, physiological symptoms like restlessness, irritability, muscle tension, sleep disturbance, uh, fatigue, difficulty concentrating. Again, someone with OCD is probably going to uh, fit that mold as well. And then with any diagnosis, right, we have that clinical distress and impairment piece, which just means that if this problem, if this is becoming so much of a problem that one, it is causing you distress in whatever form or fashion, right? Um, and it is also impairing your life in some form or fashion. If it is impeding with your ability to engage with activities of daily living, if it's impeding with your ability to function or go to work on time or just do the things that you want to do, then that might be impairment. And so again, all those symptoms, big picture here, what I want you guys to take with you is that all those symptoms under GAD could, I would definitely say that anyone with OCD would say yes to pretty much all of those things. Um, So in OCD for diagnosis here, we have the presence of obsessions, compulsion, or both. Again, GAD, what's the difference meaningfully to me between obsessions and uh, worry. I don't know. Um, then when we have compulsions, right, I've already talked about how it doesn't make sense to, you know, there's no meaningful difference between a safety behavior and GAD versus a compulsion and OCD. Um, so again, kind of tomato, tomato situation again, um, with obsessions, we're looking for recurrent, persistent thoughts, ideas, images, uh, impulses, or feelings that are experienced as unwanted. Um, and cause anxiety, as well as some attempts to neutralize or ignore and suppress them. And then obviously the compulsions are any kind of repetitive behavior, or they could also be mental acts that someone is driven to perform to kind of reduce or mediate the anxiety that they experience as a result of that obsession. Uh, Usually there's this recognition of something being excessive or unreasonable. Um, And, you know, I think in, in GAD, maybe that's one maybe exception. Um, people with generalized anxiety disorder, maybe they would perhaps justify uh, their anxiety a little bit more. Uh, but we definitely get that in obsessive compulsive disorder too, right? Especially when we get to themes like health and COVID and contamination and harm. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's right either to put these two disorders on a spectrum where, like, where it's kind of like unreasonable on one end and reasonable on the other. Um, I also don't think that it's reasonable to put these two disorders on a spectrum as far as like general fears versus very specific fears. Um, because sometimes people who are are firm in diversifying these two conditions, they say, well, generalized anxiety disorder is usually about like real life concerns. Obsessive compulsive disorder is usually a little bit more quote unquote out there. Well, what about relationship OCD? What about contamination OCD as it relates to COVID? Uh, Just because someone 
thinks that their OCD is a little bit more out there. I, I don't know. I, I, I disagree with that. I think that we can definitely experience people with generalized anxiety disorder that have become excessive and unreasonable um, with like more of an OCD flair to it. And I also think that people who have like this diagnosis of OCD, they can have more general obsessions and more general compulsions about things like their sexual orientation or existential. Like I, I again, I, I don't understand the difference. And so just getting frustrated here, even as I'm talking about it. Um, and so what we use at NoCD and what I would recommend for anybody out there, um, whether you're someone who has OCD or generalized anxiety disorder, or whether you are a therapist, uh, we use what's called the diamond screener. So this is where you could go and obviously you would need a therapist or a uh, professional to kind of walk you through this uh, to be able to give you the diagnosis, but we use the diamond screener. So that is the diagnostic interview for anxiety, mood, and obsessive compulsive related neuropsychiatric disorders. That's from Hartford Hospital in Hartford, Connecticut, and you can access a lot of that online. Um, and so even if you guys, like right after this podcast, if you go and you look up kind of the diagnostic questions that someone would ask you uh, for GAD versus OCD, they're so similar. Like for generalized anxiety disorder, one of the questions that we might ask, in the past month, do you feel excessively anxious or worried about a lot of things? I have literally never met with someone who is coming to me for OCD who has not answered yes to that question. Um when we go over the more general topics, it's things like responsibilities at work or school, your health, financial concerns, the health of people in your family, something bad happening to people you care about, things that most people would consider to be minor, like doing chores or being on time for things. Again, someone could come to me with OCD and they could say yes to all those things. Like I can see how OCD would attach to any of those topics. Um, the health of people in your family? Absolutely. Uh, responsibilities at work or school? Sure. Tons of perfectionism or reassurance seeking about that. 100%. Um, yeah. So you can go ahead and, and look for more information on that under the um, diamond. Again, a little bit more getting into kind of the differences between the two or at least what other professionals have, have said uh, warrants these two diagnoses being separate. In GAD, it does tend to be more generalized. There's also a little bit more of a gradual onset, right? So where with OCD, we really feel like it, and I do agree with this, I do think that OCD can kind of punch hard and fast. Um, one of the analogies that I've grown to love over the past couple of months is that generalized anxiety disorder kind of feels and seems like more of a rolling storm kind of in the background. Um, not that there's no looming threat, right? Like there's definitely kind of this feeling of threat, but it's more like this consistent baseline and it's just there. It's very persistent. Uh, but whereas OCD is kind of like that lightning bolt, it can kind of just come in out of nowhere, like, whoa, what the heck was that? Um, and it can be really, really intense. Again, not that GAD can't be intense, not that OCD can't also have this like pending kind of looming threat in the background. Uh, but that's generically kind of generally what the difference is, maybe according to the research. Um, again, I've talked about the uh, kind of claim at times that generalized anxiety disorder is a little bit more, quote unquote, plausible. Um, OCD is maybe a little bit more illogical or may not make sense. But again, I would ask 
if GAD is about plausible concerns, then what about relationship OCD? What about real event OCD? What about false memory OCD, right? Um, in GAD, there is this argument that there are no overt compulsions. I would definitely disagree with that. What about like reassurance seeking or perfectionistic tendencies? I think we just have to look harder. The, the behaviors are there. The overt compulsions are there. We just have to open our eyes to them. Uh, generalized anxiety disorder may include things more like day-to-day things that are more likely to occur, uh, just excessive, like, am I going to be able to make friends this month? Whereas OCD is maybe more about specific worries that are connected to kind of these core fears that are maybe far less likely to occur. So like I could snap one day and murder my family. Um, and again, I think there's a lot of issues with that too. Uh, worries in GAD are potentially a little bit more grounded in reality, but excessive. I also think that there's a lot of issues here as we compare it to rumination and OCD. How is that really all that different from worry? Uh, Dr. Michael Greenberg, he also uh, said in, in one of our kind of OCD slash ERP expert groups, if we can identify that worry is the same as rumination, and we identify that rumination is a compulsion, then to him, according to Dr. Michael Greenberg, there is no functional difference between generalized anxiety disorder and OCD. So again, I think that's the key here. If, if, we, if we can agree that there's no functional difference between worry and rumination, and we identify rumination as a compulsive behavior, then we obliterate the potential for there to be really a difference between these two disorders or a meaningful difference between these two disorders. Um, and then the one thing that I will leave you guys with for this episode um, is there is a couple, there are a couple of research studies out there that just say that exposure and response prevention outcomes are not as favorable for generalized anxiety disorder as they are for obsessive compulsive disorder. But my take on that is because in order to have really solid exposure and response prevention outcomes, you need a lot of things, but you do need a great hierarchy. You do need an amazing set of exposures. And in order to have that, you need really solid ideas for triggers. And if generalized anxiety disorder tends to be more of that like looming kind of dark cloud storm in the background with not as many specific triggers, Whereas OCD may be more specific as far as like, I'm afraid that I'm going to snap one day and murder my family. I don't think that it's that ERP is not necessarily as favorable of an outcome for GAD versus OCD. I think the issue is uh, our ERP can only be as effective as our hierarchy development and as our identification of the triggers, right? So if we can have really awesome therapy eyes and like insight into the triggers for a generalized anxiety disorder case. And we can have an excellent hierarchy and really specified and relevant and uh, good exposures. I think our ERP outcomes would be just as good if as if we had, you know, an equivalently good hierarchy and equivalently good information for OCD. So with all of that said, parsing these disorders out can become an exercise in trivial distinctions and futility. So I'll leave you all with that. I do have a couple more thoughts on this topic, so I'm not done. Come back for episode two and we'll keep chatting about this.
For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.